did you really find a therapist who you connected with? So you're not just doing the work in session and kind of just going by it, but you're actually processing and trying to heal what you have revealed. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Today, we're addressing trauma and healing with an emphasis on boys and men of color. It's about to get real with our hosts, experts, and guests. Gather around, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Today, in one of a series of Brother Be Well conversations on trauma and healing, made possible by the support of Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative, we're talking about art therapy. Creative expression via art is a proven means to recover and heal from trauma. According to the American Art Therapy Association, art therapy is a kind of intervention that integrates mental health and human services by using active art making, creative process, applied psychological theory, and human experience. Helping us dissect art therapy and understand what it's all about, including how it can help one heal from trauma, is Nidea Giddings. She's an associate marriage and family therapist and provisional registered art therapist with one of our partner organizations, hearyou.org. Nidea, welcome back to Brother Be Well. Hey, it's so nice to be back. And it's honestly like a huge honor to be invited to talk about art therapy. And, you know, just to give a little introduction about myself, which you've already done so beautifully, is that I am an associate marriage and family therapist, an associate professional clinical counselor, but I'm also a provisional registered art therapist. And I do a little bit of niche work, which we can definitely talk about later, is that I utilize video games and digital tools when I do my art therapy. Um, And so we can definitely talk about it a little bit more later. I can't wait to talk about that a little bit more later. And I said, welcome you back, because you've done a couple already. We call them selfie videos, phenomenal selfie videos for us, Medea. Thank you. I was definitely nervous while doing them. So that's a little booster to myself that they were enjoyed. And I hope that a lot of individuals got really good information from them. I'm sure they did. I'm one of those individuals and you never would have known you're nervous. You did a great job. So let's get right into this if you don't mind. Absolutely. Why don't you for us define art therapy? Some people may not know what it is. We know what art is and we know what therapy is, but how would you describe the two? What is art therapy? So the way that I describe our therapy, I think, to my clients, and this will probably be the easiest way, is that it's going to be a process-oriented way of working using line, shape, and color. And depending on what our end goal is for that day, or depending on what you bring into the session, we'll really decide on whether we're going to do something more process or product-oriented. And so the type of art that we engage in in session is always going to be different. I am not expecting the client to be Picasso. Um, Even if you do stick figures or if you don't know how to do anything but a scribble, then art therapy can be something for you. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's really a good way to think about it. It's funny you mentioned uh, Picasso because one of my jokes for later was going to be, I am no Van Gogh. I was ready to say that to you. But uh, I can't wait to talk about a little bit later how art therapy can be employed by someone who's not necessarily uh, too terribly artistic. So appreciate that. Can you talk about, if you would, as an associate marriage and family therapist, what are some of the mental health conditions that stem from trauma and have been successfully treated with art therapy? And then, you know, drilling down just a little bit deeper, why would one want to use art therapy in the treatment of trauma? Right. So 
I do want to be a little bit cautious when we use the word successfully, um, just because there is, and I'll I'll talk about this a little bit, but there is a little bit of stigma in terms of art therapy in the research world. Um, But some mental health conditions that art therapy has been proven to work in is, you know, the anxiety disorders, depression, PTSD, um, things that come of that, you know, the misuse of alcohol or drugs, those have all been documented as um, being improved upon or at least have successful treatment goals in by utilizing art therapy. Um, in terms of, so going back to the successful piece, art therapy is very subjective. It's art. So despite there being a lot of studies written up, it's a lot of qualitative research, which is not as favored upon in the scientific community as if it was quantitative. But If a client feels better and has a better quality of life after utilizing art therapy, then I would say that it's been successful. Um, And I'm just going to roll right into the other question you had, which was Mm -hmm. the art therapy and the treatment of trauma, which is we have to use other modalities when we're treating trauma. We cannot just do talk therapy. You know, in The Body Keeps the Score, they reference that the body holds trauma in a lot of different places so we don't just want to talk about it because it's not just in our head and that is like a really beautiful piece about art therapy is that it can reach into this unconscious language so that we can process it without having to talk about it really a beautiful way to put it processing sometimes is very difficult i i I have uh, suffered from trauma especially as a child and it's sometimes for a kid as we'll talk about this a little bit later tough to talk about, even for adults. And so art can be a a different outlet for that. Yes, absolutely. You know, for someone who's not the most artistic of people, I was joking about not being uh, uh, Van Gogh, how exactly does the creation of art, under the supervision, of course, uh, of a clinician like yourself, how does the, the creation of art help treat the trauma? How do we get at that? So when treating trauma in an art therapy space, um, we actually, hopefully, it's not always, we'll get to know a little bit about the background of the client before they come in. And that helps us prepare a space and materials for what kind of trauma may be coming through the door. So as an art therapist, we learn something called the expressive arts continuum. And that really helps art therapists to be trained in what materials may benefit or harm a client in use. Um, Because we never want to provide inappropriate materials to the client that could trigger negative feelings. So especially when we know someone with trauma is coming in, we do things that are going to provide containment. So we'll use smaller sheets of paper. We'll use 2D products, like a huge no-no. And you know, you see this in the difference for people who are trained or not is we would never use paint. Um, It's just too emotional. And especially say if an individual came in and their trauma was around harm in any matter, then we definitely wouldn't use red paint. It's a very open processing of trauma. And so art therapy under a trained supervision really takes into consideration how can we help continue and let you move this trauma in a healing manner. uh, Forgive me. uh, Did you just say that the color red is helpful in the treatment of trauma? Not helpful. Not helpful. Not helpful. So not at the beginning. I would never use that at the beginning. 
Got it, got it. That it took me a good several decades to paint this office red because I learned earlier that that was not necessarily the way to go when I was being treated. But once I was over it, mm-hmm. it's my favorite color, so it's a way to go. Thank you for clarifying that. Really appreciate yeah. it. You know, for a lot of people, the creation of art is a very personal activity, and and mo- a lot of people I know anyway think of it as a solitary activity. How, I'm wondering how an art therapist interacts with a consumer during that art therapy session. Can you can you describe a typical session? I just like that term. There's probably not a typical session, but can you take us inside of an art therapy session? Oh man, there is no typical session. Um, I have left sessions completely covered in paint or messy, and other times we do not use art at all. Um, but when we do. Typically, it could look like either the client is doing art on their own. Other times, they will be working on something and I will be working on something separately. And there are also times when we do something together. I know for, um, you know, the younger um, clients, there have even been times where we get very active in our making of artwork. Um, And... You know, a lot of our clients really appreciate that, but we also have to be able to identify when is the art not right for them. So that's something that's really important about when you meet with an art therapist is that we also have psychotherapy practices, right? So we can understand if someone poses resistances to that and we can either change out the material so it's something more fluid with them for insight um, or we know when to just stop with that. Really appreciate appreciate you sharing. I understand that that platforms used during art therapy sessions can include a variety of things: sculpting, painting, drawing, collages. Even I'm wondering about your your individual practice. Do you employ writing as a creative medium during art therapy sessions? I'm in my heart of hearts. I'm a writer, and it's very therapeutic for me. I'm wondering, as I thought about that, how do you or do you work to match the consumer with the medium that's more comfortable for him or her, more natural for that person? So with my clients, um, especially with the younger ones, when I am meeting with parents, I will ask them if the client does artwork and what does that look like? Are they doing coloring books? Are they painting? So on and so forth. For me, another question I ask is if they also play video games. So if a client, you know, plays Minecraft, if they do Roblox, I'm also able to bring a therapeutic space into that game from them and also do creative experiences such as creating the family home um, or even doing some different role playing within those games. In terms of creative writing, um, that's actually something we utilize a lot. We do, um, I call it brain dumping, where I'll have the client do, you know, just a scribble or I give them a feeling I want them to just draw something from it no directive. And then afterwards, when they've gotten that feeling out onto a 3D space, I have them do stream of consciousness writing, the brain dumping. And they'll just they'll just go and go and go. And from there comes the psychotherapy part where we pull out these similar themes that kept popping up. Mm-hmm. And then that can be translated into a directive or that can go into, you know, metaphorical work or whatever their treatment goal might be. That's so fascinating me, Daya. It really is. And and uh Something that that, that you, you mentioned that that um, either I, I can't remember now if it's during this conversation or when we talked last week to get ready for this, that there's some questions in the industry about art therapy. It's really a fascinating uh, modality. And I think something that's, that's more than worth being explored. Yeah. And I something that's really important to know is that 
the like you mentioned the sculpting painting drawing collaging yes that is art and that's very traditional but art is so fluid and open it can literally be anything i've had clients make sculptures with shoes right like because we don't have the or they don't have any of the materials that are traditional to them i've had them use receipts that parents have left um out um it's really whatever is available to the client we will find a way to put that creative energy into it and utilize it Wow, it's amazing, amazing. What, from your perspective, are some of the disadvantages to using art therapy? Um, the biggest disadvantage that always comes to my head is you can have a whole thing planned out, like you have three art directives, and when the client comes in, they're like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, so then you you really have to be able to fall back on, okay, what it, what's in my toolbox? How can I be fluid? So that's one different disadvantage. But another one is that honestly, people can be really fearful of art therapy. Um, and that just has to do with the misconceptions of what it is. But you know, these clients think that we're going to see their art and be able to tell these very vulnerable things about them, things that they themselves might even know what that is. And I've had clients who will purposely make very explicit images to try and test or bait me, which if you're not trained, and I have seen this among some clinicians, is that they can get stuck in an assumption of the client. Um, but that's not what you want to do. You want to be able to take that um, behavior and take that reaction and include it within the therapeutic process. Got it. Got it. Are you aware of any, uh, some of the research that I, I found, are you aware of any um, studies or individuals that where someone actually uh, felt increased anxiety because of an art therapy session that maybe went in a direction that, that wasn't planned? Could the art somehow trigger something that the, that the consumer wasn't really ready to process in that moment? I, I'm just curious. It's actually interesting you brought this up because this just happened to me recently is I had a student um, or sorry, I had a client who loved the idea of art therapy and then they came into session and there there was something not right and they told me that they got rejected from college. I wanted to do an art therapy directive around that. Come to find out they were rejected from school. So it was not the right move to go. They actually stopped processing and I had to do, you know, containment and work through them with that. Um, so that was actually one instance for me where that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Thanks for being, you know, that transparent. It could sometimes, uh, one of the things that occurred to me, we're so lucky to be able to connect with you here through hereyou.org as an art therapist. And, and if someone's not like you, if they're not really well trained and skilled in the modality, things can go a little awry. So you you were you were skilled enough and you knew how to jump right on that and correct that session. But, you know, you want to do some research and find out that the person you're sitting down with is really skilled and ready to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot of, and I'm so glad that you're going to bring up Ada later, but there is a lot of incorrect info out there about art therapy and the difference between that and when a clinician just uses art in therapy as more of a mindfulness technique or coping skill. Um, which there is, there is a very big difference between those two. And I'm glad you brought that up. We, we've got another of these videos as a part of this uh, healing series and the trauma and healing series brought to you by Blue Shield um, of California. Uh, drawing and coloring and sketching can be a mindfulness practice. But as you just said, it's very, very different from art therapy. So 
Yeah, we will be mentioning that organization a little bit later. Okay. Um, can you tell me, you know, we're kind of a microwave society and I know I certainly like results sooner than later in anything that I try to do. Can you tell me generally speaking, and I know, you know, no one session or, or one um, consumer is, is like the next, but how quick, quickly might one see positive results after beginning art therapy with a, with a trained uh, clinician? That is a very tough question. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, no, that's okay. Um, it's going to depend from person to person. You know, everybody's, if we're talking about trauma, um, everyone's trauma is complex and deep. It's different. It could take months for them to see positive results. It could take, um, you know, the first two sessions. I think it's really about, you know, the person's desire to do the work. Um, but it's also, you know, did you really find a therapist who you connected with? So you're not just doing the work in session and kind of just going by it, but you're actually actually processing and trying to heal what you have revealed. Um, and just like any therapy, there's going to be, you know, good and bad days. Some clients, and I'll be honest with you, have had that moment where they they make some realizations in the first two, three sessions. And then I don't see them for a while because that was too much. That was too vulnerable, vulnerable for them. So even though they had this kind of step forward, they don't want to do anymore because it, it is getting to a state where I've lived with this and I have my walls. I'm not ready to completely tear them down yet. So again, and you've got, complex. And you've got to be ready to do that. You're reminding me of, of some, uh, trauma healing sessions that I went through related to um, using EMDR. And I had to be in a place to really, once you go there, I had to force myself. I remember that I had to force myself. No, I got to go back because it was a positive thing. It wasn't always comfortable, but once I got in the weeds, it was good. So I, I got to push through it. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So I could imagine with art therapy, the same would be true. It might not be a hundred percent comfortable or what we think of as comfort, but you got to push through that. Yes. And the other thing is, it's not all on the client either, right? You want to have a clinician who's willing to meet you where you're at and be able to maybe not walk side by side with you, but just a little behind you and be on that journey with you. Um, that's that's really important when finding a clinician that's right for you. Speaking of finding a clinician, that's a great uh, uh, inroad to the next question. We, When we decided at Brother Be Well that we wanted to explore uh, art therapy and bring it to our, our Brother Be Well family, we had trouble finding an art therapist. And then when we knew we wanted an art therapist of color, there, there weren't the, the pool of art therapists wasn't as big as I would have liked it to be, which reminded me of the pipeline problem that we've addressed here at Brother Be Well. We've discussed it quite a bit. Um, the provision of culturally competent care, those individuals who can do that. Um, very simply put, there are not nearly enough mental health practitioners of color to serve an increasingly diverse community or set of communities. I'm wondering, I didn't want to let you get away before I asked you this question. If someone like you is thinking about maybe they're, they're listening to this and they're thinking about pursuing a career in art therapy, just from your perspective, what should that individual bring to the table? Yeah, as so for the art therapist piece, you you want to be competent with working with art and creating art materials. You don't have to be necessarily amazing at them, but just be familiar with them. But the part that you know I really want to focus on is if you are looking to be a future practitioner of color, you can absolutely bring accessibility to this type of modality, especially to diverse communities. 
but something that can really set you apart and put you above all the rest is your understanding of the difference between cultural competency and cultural humility. That humility piece is what will really allow you to help these different communities and absorb while also utilizing that lifelong learning of each individual's complex culture. Because you really want your therapeutic intervention to be properly adapted from what I think a lot of modalities are trying to get past that idea of one size fits all um, when it comes to therapy. So beautifully put, Medea. We're we're going to be talking about uh, culturally competent care in a standalone session. I may just reach out to you for that discussion if you'd be open to that. Oh, I am so ready. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait to get into that. If you've enjoyed this particular session, there's an organization I want to tell you about, the American Art Therapy Association. Their website is arttherapy.org. That's arttherapy.org. So check that out. If, you've, if something has uh, uh, lit a spark in you and you want to learn more about art therapy, that's a great place to go. Medea Giddings, I want to thank you for your time and attention and for being a part of this conversation. Um, Associate Marriage and Family Therapist and, and Art Therapist with HearYou.org. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Yeah, and thank you for ha- having me. I'm happy to have this discussion whenever. We'll, we'll be back in touch with you uh, again. I promise you that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I want to also thank you for checking this video out. It's a part, again, of a, a series of videos on trauma and healing that's made possible by the generous support of Blue Shield of California and specifically their Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support. You can learn all about it at bluesky.blueshieldca.com. That's blue sky blueshieldca.com. Another website that I've got to tell you about before I let you get away is our own, brotherbewell.com. If you like this video, you got something out of that. There's a whole series, again, on trauma and healing. You want to check out some of those. There are videos on any one of a variety of behavioral health topics on uh, brotherbewell.com. Not just videos, though. We've got podcasts there, compelling print pieces, all kinds of resources. It's all for you at brotherbewell.com. We're a membership-supported uh, service. So if you can join us as a member, that would be great. If you're not quite ready for that yet, you want to stick your toe in the water and see how it is. Trust me, the water's fine over here. Just give us your email address, sign up for our blog, and you'll begin to get notices two or three times a week when things go live. So check that all out at brotherbewell.com. My name again, Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well. Until next time, and I'm already looking forward to next time, I want to ask you to do two things for me. Take great care of yourself. And we're trying to help you do that. When you get it down, reach out to somebody else and help take care of somebody else to he or she appreciate it. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. There are lots of people that look like us stepping up to take the journey to wellness. Stay connected by joining peer support groups and happenings in the Brother Be Well community this month. Watch for text alerts and hook up with us for the next episode of Brother Be Well. I'm Leon Guidry, and we're out.